launched Ask HR with his buddies uh, back in 2017, about a year and a half ago, under a big umbrella corporation, now charging about five bucks per month per seat, about 150,000 seats, so call it 62 grand in revenue, up from nothing just a year ago. Professional services, stuff on top of that, again, serving kind of the HR uh, space, uh, signing deals in the you know smallest couple thousand seats, all the way up to big corporate accounts, 50,000 seats, to friends or folks they've networked with at conferences like uh, the Sherm Conference in Chicago or the HR Tech Conference in Vegas. They've raised a little bit of capital on a safe note, six team members between Austin Boston, and New York City. Again, knowledge management and support automation inside these teams. Hello, everyone. My guest today is James Sturgis. He has a strong software engineering and product design background, having led several teams in building enterprise software. Today, or he is co-founder and VP of product at Odseb, focusing on building better knowledge management and support tools for employees. James is an avid golfer, adventurous traveler, and passionate problem solver. James, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right. Now, just to be clear, today you're working on Ask HR, though, correct? So Ask HR is one of our products. So we have sort of an underlying AI platform, and Ask HR is our first product that's using that underlying platform. Okay, yeah. So that's what we should talk about, right? Not the parent company with the weird name. Correct. <laughs> all right, Ask HR. So um, are you, I mean, and, and let's understand the stage. So, I mean, have you launched or pre-revenue still, or where are you at? So officially we're pre-revenue, but we have, uh, we've launched with, um, probably about a dozen major customers and then a couple of other smaller customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're lucky that some of those customers are in the Fortune 500 space. So we're seeing a lot of really exciting sort of user movement with, uh, we do a per seat sort of revenue model. So, uh, you know, we do have a lot of seats using our software that, in, that are encompassed in that dozen or so. Okay, but all, all just kind of pilot, nothing paid yet. Uh, no, they are paid. Oh, they are paid. Oh, great. Okay, cool. So before we get too far down kind of, kind of launch tactics, tell us about what the company does. What's Ask HR? Yeah, so you know, I think um, how much how much would you like me to go into the background of the other co-founders in the company? Or? I'll cut you off if you go too long. Okay, so uh, really high level sort of elevator pitch. Uh, so I have sort of a background in big text data analytics. I've been an engineer for uh, for a long time. I was in consulting before that. Um, most recently, I was actually doing sort of Moneyball for movies, if you will. So in Hollywood, we were analyzing huge amounts of text corpus data and trying to uh, analyze what people liked or didn't like around uh, movie sentiment. Uh, for the production studio I was uh, working for. Um, My other co-founders are from LinkedIn, Intel, and uh, another company called Blue Metal. Um, And so we sort of have this uh, background when I was in consulting with a lot of enterprise-level knowledge management. So how do you find knowledge better? How do you curate knowledge? How do you find stale knowledge? You know, things like that. Answer employee questions. Uh, And so a lot of our product has sort of evolved around how do we do that with machine learning and do this much smarter? So how do you give access to knowledge uh, to the enterprise in a much better way and give someone a better experience than, uh, you know, browsing through thousands of levels of uh, folders in folder structure or in things like SharePoint or, you know, other things like that. And instead take a natural language query and ask a question, and basically get an answer uh, and not only get an answer, but get here's the authoritative answer. Here's some related things and here's some uh, other similar, similar things you might want. Like what, what builds the knowledge base? The employees have to contribute to it. So the knowledge base is, we do two things. One is a lot of companies already have this information. Uh, and so we don't want them to do a lot of work to bring it over to our side necessarily. So we'll go read a whole bunch of documents from file shares or other you know systems they may have, intranets, things like that. Uh, and then basically learn what type of information it is, what kinds of knowledge can this particular piece of content answer. James, you and read then, this manually? What's that? You read this manually? No, no, no. no okay, this okay. Is all using machine learning, yeah. Got it. So like, what do they do? They're connecting you to their Google Drive where they have a bunch of process docs stored or, or what are they typically, what are you connecting to? Where are they storing this stuff? Yeah, so we're really focused on the enterprise. So it's not so much, uh, Google Drive is something we could support. 
most of our companies have things like file shares, SharePoint, uh, Igloo, intranets. These are things that have hundreds to thousands or more of documents. Um, and sometimes that also is other disparate systems like and things like that, where they want to ask, uh, you know, some sort of natural language query of, you know, how many sales did we get last month and be able to translate that into, okay, do this select query or, you know, what's our policy on X. And so I know these three documents have policy information around topic X. And so how do I then find it's this paragraph you're looking for based on what you asked me? Yep. That makes good sense. And then I cut you off before you told me the per seat pricing. So what are you kind of testing the market at? What's the starting per seat price? Yeah. So it really depends. The Ask HR business that we're doing, it's around $5 per employee per year. Um, so it's not crazy. And the the idea is that we're extending in the Ask HR space, we're extending your HR team. So HR is a great uh, starting point where there's not a lot of great technology. It's very outdated. Uh, there's great systems around people management uh, and recruiting, but there's not a lot of great systems around supporting people in their HR needs. Yeah. So find much you know, is my deductible for this or how do I do this? What's our policy on this? Yeah. Uh, by the way, the product really quickly. The product makes perfect sense to me. I think I, I think I totally get that. Um, w- walk me through though. Walk me through though. Kind of on a timeline where you're at today. So when did you guys launch the company? So officially, we incorporated in 2017. Okay, so just last year, and there's three of you guys. You said right? There's actually four. Four. There were four of us that started. Um, we have uh, right now we're under 20 employees. So we've grown quite a bit. Um, some of that is part-time employees. Some of that is full-time. And then we have several um, in the HR space. We have several HR advisors that we consult with for different projects. How many full-time? Uh, full-time, we have six. Six. Okay, great. And then have you guys kind of bootstrapped since last year? Or have you raised? Uh, so we, the, our initial seed round came from ourselves. So we funded it ourselves. We have just completed our first sort of round, um, which is, you know, it's not quite series A. So we are right now targeting for series A probably next year. Yep. Yep. So when you add up kind of what you just raised, plus the money you guys put in yourself about how much money has gone in the company to date. Uh, so typically we don't disclose that information. Okay. The, the reason I asked the question is less about what the actual number is and more about how you think about what capital put into the company. So why, why raise money at all? Yeah, great question. So it's kind of funny in this most recent raise, we actually said no to a few investors because we didn't want to take what's, you know, what I'm calling dumb money. So we really wanted money that would get us into, uh, you know, partners, uh, equity partners that would basically help us, um, sort of grow the business, talk to different people and that, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so that's really the main reason why we started raising money. We, our initial sort of seed that we put in, um, basically was enough to fund us, uh, probably through the first call it year and a half or two years. Um, and then of course we have paying customers on top of that. So the product is actually paying for itself. What we wanted to really do with, with raising is to grow faster. Um, Mm -hmm. so we wanted to hire some more engineers. Um, we wanted to get into sort of some new markets and work, uh, on our partnership plays with other, um, in the HR space, HR software. Uh, but then other enterprise uh, vendors. And then what structure did your, ignore the capital you guys put at the beginning, they call that founder's capital, the capital that you took after that just recently, what structure did that take on? Was it convertible or was it true equity or venture debt or what? Most of it was in safe notes. Okay, it was actual safe notes. Um, Okay, great. And so most of, um, did you go through an accelerator by the way or no? You just knew that was a standard? Nope. Yeah. Um, and so when you're, when you're thinking about how much to raise on the safe, how do you think about how much to raise? Is there like a, is there a runway you're thinking about? You want to raise for 24 months or like, how'd you come up with a number? Yeah. So it was a little bit of one, what we wanted to build and kind of estimating what we, what we think we needed in, in terms of manpower. Right. Um, you know, we already have a product that is paying for itself. Our underlying, uh, what do you mean by that, by the way? 
the product, so all of our customers are paid. So we're actually generating revenue from our existing customers. Yeah, but when you say the product pays for itself, I don't know what that means. Like, I mean, because that comes back into cost. What are you including in an actual cost? What is that? What is the revenue actually covering? Sure. So, I mean, it's it's covering salaries for our employees. Uh, it's covering our server costs and fees, and it's covering our R and D costs. Okay. So does that, does that answer your question? That that makes sense. Uh, but you just raised capital. So unless that capital is just sitting in the bank. Right. So the capital is we wanted to hire more engineers. This is what I was talking about. We wanted to grow faster. So there's a lot of things that our product does. There's a lot of things our product doesn't do right now that we wanted to do. And so the best thing I think that we did is starting to work with customers as early as possible to understand, you know, here's here's what we think is needed, right? Because this is we're building this from it's a passion play on what we believe from our own experience we really wanted. So what are the what are the pain points in knowledge management? And so we believe that you know, it can do X, Y, and Z and, you know, A, B, and C are the crucial features and going out into the market and finding, well, A and B are crucial, but C is not really, but we really need D. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. So, but just to be clear though, so now the product obviously is not covering all the expenses. You have to reinvest the capital you just raised to drive growth. To drive growth. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you basically got to the highest leverage point you possibly can, which is your break even, right? Then you raise. Now, obviously you're, you're reinvesting. I just was trying to understand that capital. Was it really a buffer that's just going to sit in the bank or are you actually deploying it for growth that you're going to no, deploy no, no, no. it? The only reason we really wanted to raise it is to grow and to grow faster. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Initially we, we were thinking let's grow organically and, and kind of, you know, hold all of the ownership and kind of do this on our own at, you know, in, in a very safe way. But what we found is there's, there's so much demand um, you know, cause initially we wanted to, to sort of validate, yes, we're on the right path here. This is in fact a thing that people want. And so now initially the, there was, there was so demand from our first few customers and we learned so much from that. How many customers, sorry, James, just cause I want to understand when that tipping point happened for you, where you realized there was demand. So like how many, how many teams have you scaled to today? How many teams, meaning how many customers or whatever you measure? I don't know if it's organizations or number of seats on the organization, whatever you guys care about most, what have you scaled to? So I'd say our, our probably our core business is in about a dozen customers. Okay. And those dozen customers probably have. Go ahead. No, no, I, I don't want to cut you off. You said those dozen customers probably have what? Those dozen customers probably have, um, you know, from a revenue standpoint, we typically do probably five to six figure deals with those customers. And some of that will be our current product. And some of that will be. Um, sort of service-based custom software that we're integrating on top of that. So integrating with, you know, other systems and things like that. Those customers range from one to 2,000 people to 10,000 plus, right? Um, and we even have two that are sort of above the 50,000 uh, 50, seat uh, customer. And those are huge. And those are, uh, you know, regionally distributed teams. Um, you know, we learn a lot from what people want to do in different locations around the globe as well. Um, and so, you know, again, it's bringing on that capital to take what we've learned from those customers and apply it back into our product. Yeah. When you, yeah. when you look at the 12, uh, the 12 organizations though, I mean, uh, your learning is obviously is really accelerated by watching usage patterns of the number of team members across the orgs kind of using it, right? That's, I mean, that's how you can figure out what the activation metrics are. So across those 12, you mentioned a few of them are at like 50,000. I mean, can we assume at this point you're over what, like 150,000 seats or something like that using it? Yeah, I think if we were to total it all up, it would, yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah. Somewhere in that range. And are you, yep. and the reason I asked that question is because you're going out kind of closing these, you just said 50,000 seat deals. I mean, how, how are you closing deals of that size right out, of, right out of the gate? Is this like old networks you guys had that you're bringing in? That's exactly right. So we, the genesis of the company idea really came from a lot of the companies that we used to do consulting with uh, or had been working with in the, you know, in the past. 
and seeing the patterns of different gaps that they had in knowledge management. So a lot of that was our kind of our initial uh, our initial uh, customer base, if that makes sense. Yeah, that um, makes sense. We went after who we already know. The trick is, of course, enterprise software selling is difficult because you know it's it's a long ramp time. It's you know with a brand new customer, it's a very expensive acquisition. Um, you know, unless you already sort of have that relationship. Um, a lot of it is the relationship building, but then also there's the, you know, the procurement process is just much longer than call it a you know, per seat consumer play where someone might just sign up with a credit card. Yeah. Is that- how, how aggressive are you guys being again, a lot of it is sweat equity, but when you do look at like a fully weighted CAC approach, including ours, it's time to close these deals. I mean, are you, are you happy to pay kind of the first year contract value to get the deal in the first place? So we've been doing about three plus year deals. So absolutely. Okay. Um, All that cash a- is in upfront though, is it? Uh, we do by per year. So we have the yeah. agreement for three years or so, but yeah, you pay for a year at a time. Yeah. 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 So, so just, so again, they're paying for So basically your cash payback is instant, but if you do it on a kind of deferred basis, it's a 12 month payback. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, very good. And then, um, and then, I mean, you said five bucks per user per seat, 150,000 seats. I'm assuming there's probably volume discounts in there. Can I multiply those two things together to kind of back into an ARR range? Yeah, that's that's kind of correct. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, there's there's certainly volume discounts. We also so that that's kind of product pricing. So we typically will do services based on top of that. Yep. So yep. based on what you might want to do, you know, if you just want this out of the gate, great. If you want to integrate with four other disparate systems that, you, that you've built and we're going to talk about, are we doing that work? Are you doing that work? You know, are you tying into our platform APIs? Versus our our engineering group going to be you know doing a lot of that work, uh, and that that might be additional fees on top. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's way better taking that money than you know money on a safe note that might dilute you later down the road. Exactly. Um, James, were you at? So if I take five times one hundred fifty thousand seats, that's I think sixty two grand a month. Were you guys zero a year ago? So growth is hard to calculate. Obviously now because it's infinite. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. This, okay. this first year, it's, yeah, right. It's very hard to calculate that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. So growth is good. Uh, you've got professional services on top of the reasons you put services on top is to drive retention, obviously up. Have any of your accounts signed up with a thousand seats and downgraded at all? Any, any seat loss? We have not, you know, I think we're, we're lucky because we are in our first year, but we have not had any loss of seats yet. So it's too early great. for that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. And then the team of six, where's everyone based? Uh, so we have engineers in Austin, myself and our CEO are based here in Boston and we have, uh, some of our HR advisors are in New York city, Austin, Boston, and New- that must, that must be tricky on audio channels, Austin, Boston, where are you? Right. Yeah. yeah right. We, we do actually try, try to like our Austin team comes up about every two weeks and then they go back for two weeks or so. And, and then we do daily check-ins every day and everything. So, yeah, that's and great. We had our, I think some of our really early success actually came from also going to, uh, two different major conferences, in which case we sort of all got together and, and did a lot of strategy. Which two conferences? So these were in the HR space, uh, the SHRM conference in Chicago, which Spell is the largest uh, SHRM, Society of Human Resource Management, um, it, which was in Chicago this year. That's probably the largest professional HR conference. And then the other one, which was interesting because those are not really tech buyers. Those are more the, the HR generalists and, and the actual business, right? But is that who you're selling to? Yeah, exactly. And what's the, the second one? Was the HR Tech Conference in Vegas, which was even more interesting because those are actually technology buyers, not so much the business, right, within HR. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, any, uh, why did you choose to do a safe note instead of using something like venture debt? Um, you know, great question. So a lot of the early investors, um, most of the early investors were kind of friends and family, so to speak. 
uh, or actually it was more high net worth individuals that are friends. Yep. Um, SafeNote was kind of the preferred choice. I think, you know, looking at what Y Combo is doing and a lot of the way that they've structured some of their deals, this seemed like a really interesting way for us to, uh, you know, to sort of play the deal. And I think a lot of our investors also were appreciative. Um, so no other particular reason other than, than that, if that makes sense. Were you, did you ever run a process? I'm just curious if people are thinking about this. Did you ever run a process on what the dilution on that conversion would look like if you, you know, you know, grew valuation to X, Y, Z on your first price round versus the, the, you know, the interest cost on a venture debt model? You know, we did a little bit and I think, you know, keeping it really simple to start, especially for where we are and where we wanted to go was, you know, was a big goal of ours. Um, so, so we did kind of consider that and we considered a couple of different options, um, we even talked to a few VCs that, you know, kind of wanted some more aggressive terms, if that makes sense. And, you know, we just, we decided at least right now, we want to be very strategic in the capital that we get, um, how much capital that we get and, you know, sort of what we're giving up for that. Yeah. Makes good sense. All right, James, let's wrap up with the famous five quick answers here. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Probably the lean startup. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? So I think Elon Musk is incredibly interesting, mostly because um, one of the things that he said that stuck with me the most was around decision making and the importance of just making decisions right or wrong, because you can always correct them later, later, but it's much more costly to not be able to make a decision. Yep. Number three, what billing tool have you guys decided to use? What billing tool in terms of billing for customers? So right now, I mean, we do QuickBooks, of course, but um, you know, a lot of it is still sort of manual. Okay, so you're not using like Stripe or something like that? No, we're not. Okay. Number four. All of our, our major customers prefer to send us checks. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's a whole different, a whole different world. All right. Yeah. Num- number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, uh, four to five. Oh, wow. Four that's not, that's not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> What's your situation? Married, single kids? I'm married. Okay. Any kiddos? Nope. All right. And how old are you? Uh, 32. Okay. So maybe that's why you're still young. So four and a half, you can get by. Well, on it. Well, actually, so to, to be fair, we have one on the way, so not yet, but, ah. uh, is in the picture. Yeah. Well, you should, you should sleep more now because you're going to be <laughs> sleeping less later than right. All I right. Know, exactly. <laughs> James last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? What do I wish my 20 year old self knew? Um, you know, honestly experience, I think, uh, a younger me thought, I would go work with a bunch of, um, bunch of people or education was really important and education is really important. Um, and I was just going to work up through the ranks. But the thing that I think I have learned over the years is that talking to as many different people and customers as possible is great. And frankly, having a mentor, um, I think the biggest thing for me was I had two really solid mentors growing up, uh, or growing up through my career, I guess, you know, 20 till now. Um, and I think that that was what, what helped me kind of unlock, uh, more of the world and really understanding, what I want to do. And if you can't answer this question, which is what do you want to do? I don't think you'll ever really be successful. So mm-hmm. what do you want to do in the world and what matters to you? Guys, get experience fast. James launched Ask HR with his buddies uh, back in 2017, about a year and a half ago under a big umbrella corporation, now charging about five bucks per month per seat, about 150,000 seats, so call it 62 grand in revenue, up from nothing just a year ago. Professional services, stuff on top of that. Again, serving kind of the HR uh, space, uh, signing deals in the you know smallest couple thousand seats, all the way up to big corporate accounts, 50,000 seats, to friends or folks they've networked with at conferences like uh, the Sherm Conference in Chicago or the HR Tech Conference in Vegas. They raised a little bit of capital on a safe note, six team members between Austin, Boston, and New York City. Again, knowledge management and support automation inside these teams. James, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you.